she's on a passionate mission to change the lives of women. Since her days where she felt lost, had no one to confide in, had issues with body image and a terrible relationship with food, she now helps women to relove themselves. On her journey of self-realization, she's participated in multiple fitness competitions, spoken on stages across Ontario, run boot camps for hundreds of clients, and provided professional makeup artist services for photo shoots, competitions, models, and magazines. These journeys and experiences have given her the expertise to help you achieve your own goals, whether it be to lose weight, connect on a deeper level with your loved ones, or to learn just how important it is to take time for yourself. You'll feel amazing, beautiful, and strong. Welcome to Relove and Rise. This is your life coach, Amanda Gazzola. Hello, this is Amanda Gazzola from the Relove and Rise podcast, and I am here with an extraordinary man today who is an entrepreneur, a plane crash survivor, Dave Anderson. I thank you so much for being a part of this podcast, and I'm so excited to chat with you. Welcome, Dave. Thank you, Amanda, for having me. I'm excited to be with you today. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So we're just going to dive into it. I first met Dave uh, at the Mompreneur Conference that we just had this past March, and I had no idea what he was about to bring to the table, but his, his story about survival and the mindset when it comes to a plane crash, as well as many other things that he brings to the table, I, this is what we're going to be talking about today. So let's just get it right into it, Dave. So bring me back to that day. So that day was nothing, there's nothing extraordinary about the day. It was 11 degrees Fahrenheit and it was snowing. And, but I tell people, what would you expect in New York in the middle of winter? I mean, it's just, it is what it is. And I was working in a distribution center that day in my job. I was a sales manager. I was responsible for, uh, you know, basically manufacturing distribution and that kind of whole world around that. So we were inside of a distribution center and that distribution center opened up at 2 a.m. in the morning. And if, and I worked in them all the time. So basically, if you're not there when it first opens, you're going to miss the entire shift. So we went in at 5 a.m. to sort of see how the whole process worked. And that's why we got done at 10 a.m. And Kaylee, I was booked on the five o'clock flight that night. I always plan to go out on the last flight because you never know how that day's going to go, especially when you're traveling. But since we got out early, I said, hey, I get to go home early this week. So I called the travel agent. I worked with her and she put me on U.S. Airways flight 1549, which turned out to be the miracle on the Hudson. That's how I got on the plane that day. <laughs> that is, it's just crazy how, you know, you don't know where life is going to take you when you're in those moments. And especially when you're catching yourself, like in a moment, like, holy shit, what is happening? I cannot, I would not know how to feel, but from all the videos and, you know, from ever since I saw you at the Montpreneur and watching the videos and reading your book, your mindset was, you know, kudos to you for working through that. I, that is huge. Well, thank you. I, you know, I, that's why I call my book moments matter because what I realized after this whole situation and especially the aftermath of that situation is that all those moments in my life really added up to being able to be able to cash in in that one moment because, you know, you, when you go through life, you just think you're doing things, you're going through life. There's no big deal. But all of a sudden you start thinking back, it's like maybe this happened in my life to prepare me for being able to have that mindset or, or acumen or intelligence, whatever it may be, be able to handle a situation like this. Because, and man, as we all know, everybody in their life is going to have that personal plane crash moment. Something's going to happen. But something's going to hit you. And you just don't know when it's going to happen. I mean, you know, I've, just, I've got two friends in the last three weeks. One had a house, had a house because he lost it in the volcano in Hawaii. 
I met him 10, 15 years ago when I was going to Hawaii twice a year on business. And he interacted with me because he knew what I went through. I've been coaching him. And I just had a friend last week. She just told me she had breast cancer. She's working through some things. And I said, everybody's got that moment, right? So that was just happened to be my moment. Uh, for the people that don't know your story, can you just take us through those moments? So I was on the plane that crashed in the Hudson River and Canley. It was um, one of those surreal circumstances because I traveled so much. You know, I, like everybody else who travels, thought I knew everything. You know, it's, you know nothing ever happens on a plane, right? But, uh, you know, about a minute into it is when the birds crash into the plane. And we didn't know at that moment it was birds, but... I think one of the things that doesn't get talked about or acknowledged or understood enough is those birds hit both sides, uh, both engines at the exact same moment. And, you know, I, I tell people my thought process, I think other people probably have different perspectives. If those birds would have hit boom, boom, I think people would have thought, oh my goodness, a terrorist attack, something else. But since they hit boom, everybody thought, well, we have another engine. And I think that was a saving grace in a lot of this because no one really, excuse my language, but freaked out. I mean, no one lost it. Everybody, everybody's pretty much under control because everybody thought we're just going back to the airport. You know, felt in banking, just going back to the airport. But I think that was, was a critical factor um, that uh, helped people not lose their minds. But, uh, you know, as we were banking back, I, I've been on that flight probably 20 or 30 times. I fly that probably once a month. Uh, but when we banked back, we banked over the Hudson River in Canley. I've never seen that pattern before. Because when they usually bank, they bank over the Atlantic Ocean to come back. Um, so I knew something was up, but until he said his famous words, this is your captain, brace for impact, I think that was a moment that everybody realized this is probably a pretty serious situation. And it was less than a minute after he crossed over the George Washington River when we crashed into the river. And I tell people, I mean, the things that really – is amazing because when we were crossing over the George Washington Bridge, uh, I looked out the window because I was to see 15A, and I had a window seat. I was four rows behind the left wing, so I saw the fire coming after me to the left wing, so I knew something had happened. But when I looked out the window, I could see people's faces looking up. And what I didn't know till later is we only, he only missed that bridge by about 900 feet. And the bridge is, you know, roughly 600 feet up. So he was somewhere between, you know, 2,400 and 3,000 feet at that moment. I don't know exactly, yeah. of course, but he was pretty close. And so... As he was going over, it was less than a minute when we crashed to the river. It was a hard hit. And that's when, uh, at that moment, I tell people that last moment is when uh, it's an amazing situation because I think people who face that moment, they think they're going to die, have a very similar situation. And I didn't realize that until I talked to a lady that survived the earthquake in Haiti. And she was in, under rubble for six hours before they found her. And she and I talked one day, and I asked her, I said, hey, Pam, you know, what, what were you thinking? She's like, I saw my life pass before my eyes. I said, that's exactly what I saw the same thing as we crossed over the river. I saw my life, everything in my life, like a movie that passed through my eyes with clarity of, you know, when I was a Boy Scouts and when I was playing with baseball and my first date and my, when I got married, everything was like slow motion in that last minute. And I think a lot of people who face that critical last moment see that they see that life that life of the movie of their life passed before their eyes and that's exactly what happened to me oh my god wow when you see your and because I, I obviously don't have experience that but when you're seeing your life pass through your eyes are you how are how is the feeling behind that are you just like think is that a good is that, like there sounds like great thoughts to have before an impact like that but i don't know what i don't know well, I, one thing I got out was I had total clarity. 
I could see why I was here. You know, I could see why my life was sort of coming to how, how sort of put everything together to give me to that point. And so my last thought before my last statement in my head was, I hope my wife pays off the mortgage. That was a, <laughs> we had a, we made a promise when we got married to pay off the house. And at least she'd be a multimillionaire now and she could pay off the house, at least pay off the house. Right. But my, my, my thought was, you know what, if I come back, I have a pretty much a new purpose. I know what my life's about. Or if I don't come back, at least I'm going to a better place and can't let it's going to be a happy day. So either or something's going to happen. And I just need to be ready mentally that something's going to happen either way. And I think that was the last thought before we crashed into the river. And then all of a sudden you look up and you see the light. And I use that as a metaphor. I mean, you look up, obviously you see the light. And all of a sudden you knew where you were alive and you have a shot. But all of a sudden you have another, another situation where water's coming in. And water came in immediately. And I was, like I said, about four rows behind the left wing of 15A. Water was about knee deep on me. But back in the back, it was about waist deep. In the front, it was more like ankle deep because the plane was situated. Yeah, you can't see this on the radio. But it's situated at an angle where the back is in the water and the front sticking out. Yeah. So that's why water was at different stages. So I think uh, that was the, now the next issue is how to get out of a plane that's sinking in the, in, in the water. And everybody's moving very quickly. Um, and I... I tell, I said that, that evening when I was with Katie Couric and in the interview, I said, she asked me a question. I said, if people didn't freak out, I think, but I, I said it was like controlled chaos. It was like, no one was freaking, but everybody was moving really fast. And that's what was going on inside the plane. Wow. And you were one of the last people to come off that plane and you thank your mom for, your mom for teaching you to basically I don't know exactly the words to put into it, but I, the, you thought of your mom and you thank her. And how did that come to be where you thought, knew that you, want, that you wanted to do that? Well, be very candid and blunt. My game plan was not to have that happen. My game plan was just get, get to the aisle, get up and get out. But when I got to the aisle, all of a sudden, my mom had passed away in 1997. And you know, all of a sudden, I heard her in my head talking to me. I heard her say, if you do the right thing, God will take care of you. And see... I remember her telling me that when I was a kid, you know, when she was scolding me, if you do the right thing, God will take care of you. Right. But this was like, if you do the right thing, God will take care of you. And I, at that moment, I wasn't thinking about it. Um, but as I thought back, I said, one of the great things about my mom is she would make us make choices when we were young, which I think is a, a tremendous asset to me and my sister, and my brother, because one thing I don't think now that we as parents, and I'm guilty of this too. We don't make our kids make choices enough. We give them the answers or we tell them what to do. And so therefore they're growing up, not being able to make choices. And therefore they don't see consequences of the choices. And I've told my kids since they were born, every decision has got a consequence. You know, my thing, my thing just fell down. Um, every, every um, choice has a consequence. So, you know, one of the things that, that moment I said, you know, I was all right. I always grew up with a group of guys whether it was in Boy Scouts or athletics or sports, and we always had each other's backs. That's just how I grew up. So I went towards the back of the plane. I climbed over the seats to get behind everybody, see if anybody needed help, and then started making my way out. And, and uh, all of a sudden, the first light that I saw was on the right. It happened to be 10F, and I was diving out just like everybody else. But when I got there, I looked out, and there was no room on the wing or the boat for me. And that's why I was inside the plane waist deep in 36 degree Fahrenheit water for about seven minutes. And then I was holding on to the lifeboat because what happened was they were yelling at me to hold on, hold on. I didn't know why until I found out later is that yeah. the plane was floating down the river and because of the current. 
And the mm -hmm. little lifeboat kept going in and out from the plane. And, and they, like I, no one reads instructions. It's actually tethered to the plane. But that's, that, you know, so they were thought they were floating down to the river. So uh, all of a sudden, I saw later on a picture, one of the first pictures on Good Morning America was me holding on the lifeboat, waist deep in 36 degree water. And that's, uh, that's why how I became one of the last passengers off the plane. Wow. That's crazy. With your adrenaline and how you're feeling, did it feel like 36 degrees of water? No, you could, I couldn't feel the temperature at all. It was just go, go, go. And, and I liken that, especially to firemen, because I do a lot of talks for firemen. And I tell people, if you look at, you know, watch firemen. I mean, you see these things and they're, they got the fire going and they, they got their backpacks or gear on, they're going hard, but all of a sudden they're coming out of this fire, man, all of a sudden they have nothing left. And that's pretty much what happened to me is I felt nothing until I got to the ferry finally. I had to swim to get to the ferry. And all of a sudden, I thought that I made it. It's like, you know what? I survived this thing. But all of a sudden is when I cold started coming because I couldn't, I, I, I let my, and all my adrenaline was gone. And yeah. that's the moment I couldn't feel anything. And that's the moment. I told BB, well, I think that was the moment, probably the scariest moment that I had because at that point, I couldn't feel anything. I could barely breathe. I didn't know anybody. Um, and all of a sudden, I, I may not make it because I may freeze to death. Holy moly. Unbelievable, Dave. Just unbelievable. And now you were with what happened and you being the last person making sure everyone got out and Red Cross coming to help you and help your family through this. Like that's one thing that maybe a lot of you don't know with the American Red Cross. They were right beside Dave's family the whole time for him to to let them know that every single step of what was happening with you so that they felt like they were with you and whatnot. I thought that was really beautiful that they worked with you like that. Most definitely. That's why I speak so passionately. I mean, I had three unique Red Cross experiences, but I tell people the most important one, it wasn't at the, at the dock. It was great to have someone there to help me at the dock, you know, when they carried me to the, to the, uh, to the triage center. And it was great to have somebody give me some clothes because I hadn't had any clothes, but it was really what was fantastic is uh, the Red Cross CEO was taking care of my family back in, back home. And I think that was probably the most important part because I have the opportunity now to speak all over the, all over Canada and the United States for the Red Cross. And, and one thing I find out a lot when I go out and speak is people like me who are right in the middle of the game, uh, we get taken care of because we're in the middle of the game, but often the people who are not in the middle of the game are the families and they're forgotten and they were taking care of my family, which I think is the most important part of this. It, you know, I was being taken care of because I was in the middle of it, but someone needed to take care of them. The Red Cross was taking care of them likewise. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, so after the experience, did you, ex after your big experience, did you experience any, re I don't know what it's just anxiety or depression or anything after like wondering why you're still here i know a lot of people when they go through an experience that they deal with that and i'm sure with the american red cross and you doing a lot of speaking gigs now and you're helping people through traumatic experiences like that um how are, i just want to know what the process of what you felt after and how you're helping people now with your experience well thank you because i think it really came to light for me uh, about eight weeks after the plane crash, because if you go back to that time frame, that's when that, that unfortunate plane crash happened in Buffalo when everybody perished. And I had a client on there from Charlotte and I was calling on them and it was a very, very uh, emotional time, not only for me, but for them. But I was asked to do an interview in Montreal 
uh, a Skype interview for, in Montreal. And I was doing this interview. The, the lady who was is interviewing me asked me a question. She goes, why do you think they died and you didn't? And it really shook me. I'm like, I wasn't ready for this question. And I said, it just wasn't my time. It just wasn't my time. And all of a sudden, that's the moment I started thinking. is like, you know, wow, what really happened? Because, see, people would kept telling me, Amanda, I mean, they would come to me and say, you're going to need therapy. You're going to be depressed. You're going to have PTSD. I mean, they just kept, everybody kept telling me that. And I just kept saying, but I'm not. You know, what's the difference between me and all these other people from that, my incident and the families from that other incident? What's the difference? And that's what sort of spurred me to do what I'm doing now as I'm speaking, but helping people. And that's why I did my TED Talk uh, about, about post-traumatic growth and how to grow from these experiences instead of going into depressed states. And I did it at, uh, you know, Queen's University in Kingston, uh, Ontario. And I wanted to do it not only to get it out there, but I wanted to do it in, in, in Canada because I wanted more of an international exposure. I want people, not only in the United States, to hear this message, but people all over the world. And this gave me a chance to go sort of international with this messaging of post-traumatic growth syndrome. I think that's really great. And it's, it, it could go one way or the other when people are telling you that you're going to have PSD, you're going to go through this. So you're kind of like waiting probably for something to happen that you're, and you're saying, I feel fine because I think that you've already had, had that shift where you know how lucky you are and you want to do something about it where you already were in that process of working with doing, taking this as like a sign to even be more um, saying, this is how you're going to help people. You're taking that negative and making it a positive or that experience and making it something more as opposed yeah, to just letting someone tell you what you're going to feel. I agree. And I think one of the, the, the things that I did where some other folks may not have done or didn't do is I started processing it quickly and I started speaking and getting it out of my body quickly. Because one of the things that, you know, I was with Tony for many, Tony Robbins for many years. I was head of security for him for five of those, you know, 15 years that I was working with him. So I got to be up close with that experience. And he, I learned a lot of things. And one of the things he teaches, and it's true, is that, you know, things get chunked in your body, right? You say it's over and over and over. You're so chunked so deep, you can get it out. And that's when people start going into depression or even worse, PTSD or even worse, which we're finding with some people right now lately. So what I did is I had to get it out of my body. So how I could get it out of my body is I would speak. And I would get it out. I would get it out. So the more I got it out, the more I processed it in my brain, it was out of my body. With so many other people that I know from that incident and some other incidents, especially what's been going on around the world in the last several years is they kept asking a different question they kept saying why does this happen to me why does this always happen to me and so they say it so often in their brain it gets so deep all of a sudden no wonder they're depressed i mean they i mean they, they're in their body it's like this always happens to me something bad always happens to me instead of reframing it like i talk about into a different question like how can you add value out of this and enjoy the process and that's what i did i flipped the script on my internal dialogue that's, that's the strategy that I use to start getting it out and start processing in a different way. That's awesome. You're, you're already built, working with Tony was probably one of the, a great experience because you're already working on that muscle and working on the subconscious and knowing that if I don't do something, I'm going to let something overtake me. And at this, I, mean, I should be so grateful for that I'm still here. That's it's all awesome. about gratitude. It's all about gratitude. And that's yeah. one thing he teaches a lot. And people don't understand that about Tony. He talks a lot about gratitude, but a lot of people do the raw, raw stuff, right? It's, he talks a lot about gratitude. It's right. 
and you come out of a heart of gratitude of everything, whether it's a, it's a situation like I went through or something very positive, it all of a sudden it flows out in a different way. It also processes in a different way in your head. Oh, that's, that's, I love that. And I, yeah, he is all about gratitude because I mean, even, and this is not just to talk about with Tony, but when he talks about, I'm and I, I'm not a guru, you know, his mom used to beat him and, you know, but she loved him. And, but he, if she didn't do any of that, he wouldn't be the man that he is today. So just taking an experience and knowing that you could do something more with it and suddenly define who you are is so huge. Yeah. And I, I, one of the things, one of the strategies I tell and teach people now, and I talk about in my keynote, which you did not hear of this part because I didn't have enough time, unfortunately, is about the power of virtual references. And I tell people, I said, I think that, that message story got to me uh, probably about three or four years after my situation on the plane crash. Uh, because, you know, one of the things I started realizing is I talked to my dad and my dad was on his deathbed. He's, he's going to pass away about eight weeks from that point. And we were just talking about the state of affairs of the United States, you know, and how bad it was and how everybody hated each other. And it's like, you know, we were having this, this discussion. And he just said, you know, one of the last things he said is that, you know, I grew up during the Depression. You know, we had one meal a day. You know, my mom and dad both had to work. I was an only child. I had to work. He said, but we got through it. And look what happened. You know, I got a great job. I was a manager. I, I thrived. And I said, you know, it's right. It's a great, it was a great reference for me. But then again, what happened, what really reinforced that, Amanda, was about probably about three, four months later, I'm sitting exactly where I'm sitting right now. And my wife got a phone call because this, my office is out about 70 feet from the house. And she, I guess she got a phone call from a couple neighbors and a couple older ladies. They lived right down the street. And they called my wife and said, you know, can you come help us fix our TV? Now, number one, I'm pretty good at fixing TVs. I'm, I do that pretty well. But second, they're your neighbors, right? You can do anything for your neighbors and they're older ladies, you know? So of course I'm going to do that. So my wife called me on my phone right here, said, can you go down and help fix your TV? I said, of course, you know, so I got up, went down the street and these are a couple of ladies and it's, it took about, about 30 seconds, right? I'm pretty good at TVs. So these ladies were taught, said, would you stay for milk and cookies? I'm like, who's, who's gonna turn down milk and cookies from a couple of older ladies? <laughs> Bank like nobody's business, right? I'm all in. I love milk and cookies. So, you know, I'm sitting there waiting for the milk and cookies, and I was sitting there, and they had these books on the, t on the coffee table. I started flipping through them, and they were pictures of concentration camps. And I love World War II history. I just, I, I, I thrive on it. I'll do everything. So they came out and said, Where'd you get these? And they're looking, well, We were there. And all of a sudden, they rolled up their sleeves and showed me their, inside their forearm with the numbers on them. Wow. No one knew about this about them because they always wore long sleeves. No one ever knew this. And I said, let me, let me, I need to hear a story. Please tell me the story. I said, I'll we'll tell you, but don't, you can't record it. And all of a sudden I started realizing, I said, these two women, who we didn't even know, you know, went down the street, survived probably one of the most horrific situations in the history of the world. And they survived and thrived. And now they have a beautiful house. They live together all their lives. And I don't know where they're at now. They, I know they probably passed on because it's, you know, they were very old. They survived. I said, oh, I said, what my dad told me, what they told me, right? It's, there's people out there who survive things worse than you have. Worse. And so nowadays, it's a lot easier to get to them. When I was growing up back in the 60s and 70s, you had to go to the library or Encyclopedia Britannica. But now you can get on the internet within 30 seconds. You can hold somebody and talk to them about their experience to help you process. I said, that's the power of virtual references. You can get hold of anybody because you're not the first person to go through something like this. You know, even if you got breast cancer, like I told you, I'll turn you on to two or three people that just survived it. 
Let's talk to them, right? Let's get on the phone and talk to the mentality it took to get through this thing. You can get to people quickly through the power of virtual references. Wow, that is so powerful. Yeah. I think this is a great question to ask because it kind of goes along with what we're talking about, but how do you, how do people grow from their personal life challenges or depression? Well, there's three ways. First, I just talked about it's power of virtual reference. Find yeah. somebody who's, who's gone through what you have or even worse. But the second way is what Tony teaches about the state management, right? You got to put yourself in the proper state. And a lot of people go or live in lousy states. You know, they live in a, you know, you know, a depressed state. And depression is a state. And so you can, be, you can be happy one moment and sad the next moment. You can change it very quickly through your physical body. That's the fastest way to change it. Get up and just move, right? change the way your physical body or physiology. The second way is how I managed it that day on the plane because I couldn't get up and move because things were going on through my internal dialogue with the questions I asked. And I, I shared with you the question I kept saying, like, how can I add even more value and enjoy this process? And that question, every day I ask that question, how can I add even more value? Because it presupposes you're already adding value. But also, you know, enjoy it because a lot of people add value all day long and they hate, hate it. You know, just look at people who go to their work every day. I tell people, this, I was with a group from Oracle last week, a thousand people from Oracle Human Resources last week. And I said, there's people in this room, I said, you all are adding value, but some of you hate your job. You're adding value, but you hate it. The, the key is enjoying it, right? Add value and enjoy the process. And, and the third way is the power of focus, because what you focus on is where energy flows. Energy flows where focus mm -hmm. goes, right? So if you focus on something lousy, that's where all your energy is going to go. So that's number one, but number two is, is the power, you know, the depth of power of meaning. Because we talked about it a little bit up front because people attach different meanings to different things. And you know, like we talked about, people tell me I'd have PTSD and all this, but I didn't. I said, what's the difference? And also it's the meaning that I attach to it. Because a lot of people attach the meaning of negativity. This was, I mean, I, we, I know one person on that plane, he was losing his job, he was going through a divorce, Everything was negative, right? And he, so he attached, this is part of it. This is part of it. The meaning I attached is this is a blessing. And people say, how can it be a blessing? I said, all of a sudden, this has opened up so many avenues for me. You know, I mean, all of a sudden, I'm talking to people all over the world and impacting people's lives. This is a blessing. What happened to me was a blessing. It was like my cross to bear. Everybody's got a cross to bear, you know? If you believe in, in Jesus, Jesus had his cross to bear, right? He, he didn't get through life unscathed. We all have that. So maybe this plane crash was my situation when I had it as a wake-up call. Say, hey, wake up, right? You have so much more to offer, and you're just going through life. You know, look at this thing and then put a different meaning to it, and you can attach a different meaning to anything in your life. And it's, it's called reframing, and there's a certain technique you use to use it. That's what I try to do every single time. Now, if I have something negative, which I just had somebody just a few minutes ago said something negative. I was like, you know what? They don't deserve my time. And also, I just changed the meaning, and we move on. It's all about how the meaning you attach to things. I love that. And I, this is what I teach my clients. This is what I'm here for is so people understand that no matter what happens to you and the circumstances that are happening to you, the experience that are happening to you, that it's the meaning that you attach to it and what you want and the, where you focus on is where energy grows. So if you want more negative stuff, you're going to bring more negative to your life. If you want more positive, you, it's people don't realize that they're the pilot of their own life. And that they can navigate what they want. And I'm talking to a man that went through a horrific um, plane crash that, that could have been even more horrific, but he's here. And you, you did something amazing and becoming 
you know, a spokesperson for American Red Cross and helping people through their anxiety, their depression. And, you know, you've brought more meaning into your life. And I'm so thrilled and happy that you are able to share this experience. That is amazing. Well, thank you, man. Because what you said is exactly spot on. Creating your own flight plan, right? Don't let somebody else yes. create a flight plan. Create your own flight plan for your future. And, and you can do that very easily. And this is what people, what Amanda does, what I do, so many people do. After giving you strategies, it's all about strategies on how to do it. And what strategy is going to click, right? Because once something's going to click, it's getting enough references out there to make which, which one of those strategies is going to click in your brain to make it happen. Totally, totally. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you started? Well, the biggest change that I had, and one thing I, which I knew back then, is I was extremely judgmental. And I didn't really realize that until I had a sort of a slap across the face and um, after the plane crash. And it was in, in, we were in the green room of one of the TV shows we were doing. And I just mentioned this gentleman who was totally negative. And everybody who was there, including me, I was judging this dude. I'm like, what do you mean? We're all alive. Man. It's, I mean, this is good stuff. We're on national TV, right? And all of a sudden, what I started finding out about this dude is he, that's what I said, he was, he was going through a divorce. He lost his job. And also I started realizing, man, it's like, how many times have I judged somebody that quickly in my life? Just judged them. And how many avenues have I shut off? How many directions? How many jobs have I lost? Because I've been so judgmental. I said, how can I judge somebody when I don't know their backstory? And all of a sudden, as I start coming to me, it's like, you know what? If I just become less judgmental and stop judging people immediately and sort of get to know them first, all of a sudden, what happened? Things open up. That's why we're talking to you today. I would never met you in Toronto. If this, if I had been so judgmental, say, you know what, I don't need this, right? I just, you know what, I don't know what she's all about. Why don't I want to talk to her? All of a sudden, you become less judgmental. So you know what? So everybody has some value to add, right? Let me find out and do what Martin Luther King said: judge the content, the content of the character, right? Don't judge up front. Just con judge based on the content of the character. And once I made that shift, everything's opened up. That's how I'm doing what I'm doing now is I became much less judgmental. That's one thing I wish I knew but back then, because Kaylee, Amanda, I have blown so many opportunities by judging people pretty quick, you know? And I try to tell people, be less judgmental, all of a sudden things open up in your life. I love that. And it's, it's so true. I, you don't really realize, you, it's so easy to have this exterior, and it's like you're protecting yourself when you're judgmental, because it's like, you don't know how to feel. You don't want to feel like you're taking advantage of. So you just bring on this judgment and trust that your judgment, but then you, you just put the screen up and block everything from coming in. It could be adding value to you as somebody else. Totally. Totally. Uh, um, what's the biggest change or learning that you have had since moth M O T H the miracle on the Hudson. Yeah. yeah. I tell people the biggest thing that's changed for me is the way I prioritize my time. And when I, when I realized really right after that, I mean, it was, it was like within probably hours is that I was basically managing my time based on what my company requested of me. You know, you go, go to New York, go to Petersburg, Virginia, right? Do this, do this. So I would miss a lot of my kids stuff and family stuff because I was focused on that. And when I started thinking about, and I, this came to me like maybe a year or so later, I'm like, I am modeling my dad. I said, my dad, when I grew up, my dad was never home. He was going out making money for the family. His thought pro back in the 60s is your dad, your dad's job is to go make money, take care of your family, right? And be there, yeah. right? And that, I was modeling my dad. I was doing the same thing. And we were well off, right? We didn't hurt for money, right? 
But all of a sudden, I was missing so many things with my kids. And I had one child at that point, a junior in high school, and one was a freshman, and I had two more coming. Like, how many things have I missed? Because I was trying to do the right thing by being a dad. But what they wanted is my time. You know, I said, that, I said, that was the biggest shift. Because so what I started shifting is I would, and my company didn't like it. I have to admit, my, my company didn't like it. There are people who advocated for me in the company. So, I, uh, but there could be like, you know, you got to show up. I'm like, no. My daughter's having having an event at the high school. I'm going to go, and we'll work around it. So I'll take my phone, and after we get done with it, I'll be on the phone in the parking lot, right? But I'm going to the events, and that's what changed dramatically. My mindset about family has time has to come first. So to give you an example, Amanda, if we had something going on with the family right now, you and I would be talking right now. We wouldn't be. I'd be doing that. But it's summer now. They're all out. The kids are all out of college. And I, you know, so perfect time. If you, this, if you ask me for a time with my kids, time. You would lost today. Well, thank you very much for having me, Amanda. First, if they go to my website at DaveSandersonSpeaks.com, they have access to pretty much all my information, or on Facebook at Dave Sanderson Speaks, or LinkedIn or David Sanderson, or or uh, Twitter at Dave Sanderson too. But what I like to offer the audience is, just Friday we just came out with my new uh, my new uh, course called Cultivating Personal Leadership, and that's I, I came out with this because people kept asking me, it's like how. How to get? They want to get in my brain about all these little things we were talking about. So I put them all together, and it's and what if you put in there a mompreneur uh, 2018, they'll get a 25 percent discount. It's my gift to them. Just go to my website, just click on the picture, and uh, they'll have access to it. But for your folks, they'll get a 25 percent discount. But mompreneur 2018, all one word, and it's my gift because it's it's been tremendous. And one of the things that I did in here, which is something unique is I've inserted a Colby assessment. And what people ask what Colby is, people do assessments all the time, DISC and all this. But Colby, what I found is, it basically makes you understand how your mind's really wired. Not why the traits you do, but how, why you do what you do. And I included this as part of my, uh, part of my course, because I want people to understand why they make the decisions they do. And if they do this, they can go on there, click on it, take the assessment, and they'll have a whole assessment, which is worth $500 as part of this, this, this free. So. Well, thank you so much again for your time. You're such a blessing and I'm so glad that people get to hear your story and share more and you get to share more love with the world on how to make those moments matter and take them, take it by the balls pretty much and just yeah. do something with it instead of always it being a negative experience. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me, Amanda. Thank you. Well, hello there. Did you love the episode on the Relove and Rise podcast? Head on over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is really, 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 really appreciated. But really appreciated. Really, really appreciated. If you would love to connect with us, head over to reliveandrise.com and do not forget to sign up for our newsletter for more free material. See you on the next episode.